Good morning. Welcome back to The Space Between with Sean McClellan, your humble host and void specialist. Today, I have a guy with me. He is a visionary, an advocate for self-acceptance, and has emerged as a beacon of inspiration through groundbreaking initiative, the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign. He has been featured in over 150 international mainstream publications and networks, has the backing of over 450 of the world's most respected and recognized faces across entertainment, sports, corporate, and the well-being space, and is on his way to truly impact over one billion lives. Mr. Glenn Marsden, thank you so much for taking time to land in the space between where solutions always have room to grow. Thank you very much for having me, Sean. And uh, what a bio there. It almost doesn't sound like me, so uh, I'll pay you later. <laughs> Listen, I got to take you to dinner first, right? <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> So then I have to ask you, what happened in your life that sparked the idea for this campaign and why now? Yeah, big, big movement happened, to be honest with you. I mean, the whole Imperfectly Perfect campaign came to fruition through me losing a friend to suicide. Um, and this was over four years ago now. So prior to that, a couple of years earlier, I went through my own mental health struggles. I was in the health and fitness industry, went through body dysmorphia. Essentially, I was living in Bondi Beach, Australia. Everyone looks like they've walked out of a catwalk, a, a magazine cover. Um, I was actually fine until I turned the latter end of my 30s and started comparing myself. And obviously, a bigger tribute to what social media, what we're seeing these days with highlight reels. Um, and I hid it, obviously being the male, the masculine dominated bravado that we try and hide everything. Um, we can control it little to say we literally can't control things. We need to speak about these things, but that was a big attribute of the passion behind what I'd been through. And then because social media was a big attribute to my problems, I turned it off now because I did photography on the side when we had our first child, me and my wife, I used to take a lot of pictures of my kids sent to family. My wife wanted to go back on socials to see these pictures, to send more over. Found out an old friend from the UK had passed away. There was no build-up. I was looking everywhere. Used to train with this guy all the time. Looked into the back end, reached out to old friends, bearing in mind I'd lived in Australia for a long time. And he's sadly taken his life. <clears throat> so looking at his socials, it was like the highlights. There was the career. There was the car. There was the holidays. And there was this interlude, this video of his partner with the little boy, his little boy and him, kissing, cuddling, laughing. And it broke my heart just for the fact of his partner having to sit down saying, dad's not coming home no more. Like that to me is just because I've got kids myself and I had a little boy similar age back at that time. And it just, it something just hit me and I wanted to make a difference. I was like, I am so fed up, excuse my language, of seeing these campaigns and these government-run things with bullshit like no offense but pretty shit it was like in australia a huge campaign with a little old lady with a bunch of flowers first and foremost everyone's time poor they're not going to stop and look at it second of all you're cutting off a whole demographic generation of people like they don't associate with an old woman and when you do look at it it was talking about she'd sadly lost her husband to mental health and she was trying to carry on with her life and i was like you would never know that 
So with me, as you can see, if you're utilizing video, um, the images behind you, I reached out to all the organizations, had a premise in my head that just came to me. I utilized photography. I wanted to show the reality of what it looked like, like raw, honest, everything. I got a no thank you from all of them. Understandably, a lot of advocates want to help. So I could understand that. But me being from Yorkshire back in the UK, very resilient, rolled my sleeves up. I was like, right, <laughs> I'm going to do this myself. So I utilized social media for its intended purpose to communicate. And I thought, I've got nothing to lose, you know. And I started reaching out to celebrities. And I was like, this is the premise. I want to take your image, but I know that you're used to lights, camera, action, studios. I said, I just want to catch up with you. No makeup, no filter. I want to take you back to a place where you were struggling yourself. Obviously, we'd talk about their whole journey, the mental health. And I said, I just want to capture that image. So I went places with them and we got in. Some people listened to a piece of music that got them through the hard times. Some read a diary extract and I hid in the background. And it was just one moment that I just literally say, right, Sean, look at me. And then you look at me for one second. And that pivotal moment, like you can see some of the imagery on, on the website, it, it just sparks because people can see themselves in it. And that's the whole thing with storytelling. That's amazing. You, you touched on something I want to want to dive to a little bit deeper in regards to men. Um, I've read a book by one of my own personal therapists, Logan Cohen. <clears throat> excuse me. And the book is called How to Human Up in Modern Society. And the whole book talks about men in general were taught from a very young age, society standards to be hunters, gatherers, and warriors, right? So for me personally, I knew when I didn't fit that societal norm, that's when my negative self-talk started with myself because I, I started looking at myself going, I'm not like that. What's wrong with me? Something must be wrong with me. I don't fit that mold of what a man's yeah. supposed to be. And that's when all my problems started. And it took me a long time to figure that out. How, how does that play into to society today? And why do we still struggle with that as men, do you think? You know what? It's, what I've come to realize, and I've spoken to a lot of people, including a lot of men still hiding behind the bravado, the mass, we are indoctrinated from an early age into society, exactly like you said, man up, hide the tears, hunters, gatherers, everything. But <clears throat> as you know, the strongest thing is sharing that vulnerability. We've all got trapped emotions. We've all got that inner child that's screaming out for attention, that we may have gone through something traumatic experience when we were younger. We've not known how to dealt it because all society is perpetuating is highlight reels and mask it, don't talk about it. And people say, well, we've got a lot better than we were 20 years ago. We have to some extent, but we're sadly still seeing people take their lives because they're not opening these conversations up. And... <clears throat> In Australia, they have certain days and certain months. And I think they're good to bring the awareness back to top to talk about it. However, with me and IPC, 365 days a year, we can literally get this conversation going and out in the open. And I started this with no team, no resources. I never went down the, the route of a non-for-profit. I looked into it. This goes into my whole cycle with faith that came to me. I kept getting a niggle not to do non-for-profit. And I was like, why? I'm making it so hard for myself. I can't get funding, can't get grants. 
<clears throat> but there was just something bigger, a bigger picture. And then it just started blowing up all over like America and Asia and all the rest of it. And I was like, okay. And then during the pandemic, somehow a company got in touch with me and I got a position offered as a business uh, development guy for a non-for-profit out of the blue. And all fairness to them, they did some great work, but I saw the politics behind it all. And I was like, that's why. So I was shown the whole way along why not to do certain things. And if we can, one of my main things, if we can start from a grassroots level of basic conversations between men, between women, between everyone, you know, there's mental health groups for everybody out in the world. Why aren't we working collectively? Because you hear people ringing suicide lines and hotlines and they'll be passed over and say, well, we can't help you. You need to go to this one. Hold on a minute. Someone's struggling. You're a human. Basic human need is connection. Like, let's open up and let's talk to somebody because sometimes it's just a lending ear that somebody needs to be heard. You're absolutely right. When I when I encounter people, Glenn, I ask them straight up, how's life? You know, which phase are you in? In a crisis, coming out of one, going into one. And you'd be surprised how many people will open up to me. And the reason I do that is because I know for a fact they're going through something and they may not have another resource to talk to about whatever they're going through. And it's amazing yeah. the conversations I have with complete strangers. I mean, they just, they dump on me and then they go about their day. But I'm like, how profound was that that I could be a blessing to them in this moment because they might not have nobody to do that with. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think and that's, that's a, awesome a lot of people. Yeah, it is. It's, <laughs> it's an, I think it's divine intervention. I mean, I have these conversations I believe time. that it's wonderful, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah. There's something when somebody's been through something, there's a connection there. You know, you can tell in someone's eyes. And it's funny you talk about connection because I, I talk about that a lot as well with people. It's like our sole purpose for being here is connection. If we can't communicate our feelings or emotions, why are we here? Exactly. Why are we here? Well, there's no there's no purpose for our life if we cannot communicate what we're thinking and feeling. I mean, it's just we're we're lost. And I think you're right with the social media stuff, man. I mean, I have two daughters and, um, you know, we're, they're supposed to live up to an expectation that is a facade and, and yeah. the mental health implication of that alone is like, you're never going to be what you're visually looking at online ever. Nobody is not me, not you. Nobody is. And it, it's very, I don't know. It's I think it's dangerous. I think it's very dangerous. I mean, like the communication tool, I mean, when it comes to obviously utilizing social media, I did it for its intended purpose to communicate. What you're saying is entirely right. How it's become and how people have utilized it, it is dangerous. There's filters out there. Now there's AI. And I'm just shocked. Uh, you can put something in Photoshop and tell it what to do. And it'll manipulate your whole body. It'll change everything. And people are posting it. And it's just this sac uh, lack of self-worth. And it's, we need to be taking from classrooms we need to be doing lessons on body dysmorphia body image self-love self-worth spirituality but you need to find a place of acceptance and unfortunately if it took me to go through my body dysmorphia to go to the depth of despair to come out the other side and to help people with my story then i'm with you when it comes to we are meant to connect in this world and sadly it seems like <laughs> I don't want to get political, but the people at the top try and divide us all, keep everyone divided, keep everyone small. They're not thinking outside the box. They don't realize how powerful they actually are. 
when they realize that we are all spiritual and we can connect people and we're a lot stronger by numbers and we can help each other. And if that by anything I want to show people is <clears throat> there are resources, there are professionals in this space and by all means go to them because they are fully trained. Doesn't mean to say we as the public cannot get educated in mental health and know how to deal with it and start helping people ourselves. And that is by stories. The story you were sat on, somebody out there is waiting to hear. I absolutely agree, man. You talk about division. Um, when you were starting this campaign, uh, imposter syndrome comes to mind for me. Um, your friends and inner circle and family, were they giving you a little pushback or resistance? Like, what are you doing? You're crazy. You can't do this. Like, why are you doing this? Go to a job. Uh, just... <laughs> I, I have had it all, to be honest with you. So I left a career in fitness and people couldn't understand why I'd done it. And essentially I jumped into, there were two guys and I always say serendipitously now. They walked into one of the gyms I was running. They worked in construction on this government project. They said they did night shift. They told me how much they were earning. It intrigued me. By the weekend, I'd quit my job in, uh, in fitness jumped into construction after I'd done my white card for like a year and a half. I was doing 12 hours night shifts at the same time. I was learning how to network, do publicity, do pitch decks, net, uh, network with celebrities and managers, um, do all the social medias, build this whole movement around the clock. And I was never tired <laughs> because it was a passion. There was something more than me. It was bigger than me. And that's that divine thing, what we talk about. And, it's just so there is something in this world that when you tap into it, you realize there is more to life than what we're led to believe, like fame, money, that success, this, that, and the other. Like you still see it on social media and I never make judgment on people because I know that it comes from a, a place of lack that they don't know what they don't know. And none of us do. But when people are beating their chest on social media and I can 10x your business and I can do this and I can do that. And I'm just like, I've interviewed some of the world's biggest names and they've either had fame, they've either had money. And remove all those masks. None of it makes you happy. None of it pertains to be success as what we see as success. And once you do actually realize someone's story who you think is successful, you'll be clapping the loud. You're, sorry, you'll be clapping the loudest purely because you'll understand the trauma that some of these people have been through. Just because you see them on a highlight now on TV or radio, don't mean to say that there's not had a traumatic experience at the beginning that we may not have even been able to handle. So once you know someone's story, <clears throat> there's a connection. You resonate and you clap the loudest for people. I think it's interesting you say that, like what we see. we It's like almost like the iceberg, right? You see the tip out of the water and I think everybody's looking for, we see the result. We finally see the yeah. result of what somebody has. We don't see everything that went into you starting your movement or me starting my podcast or anybody else starting a business. We don't, they, nobody sees that. They see, oh, look, you're successful. Well, you didn't see me when I was sleeping in my car or I was homeless or I was addicted or I was, you know, in complete despair. You know, they, they, they never see that. They don't want to see that. That's not, yeah. that's not good for, uh, you know, it's not good for publicity. Is it the, the, the sorry stories, you know? Yep. I, I will say though, people people do need to be transparent in that stuff. I throughout my journey attesting to your question, I had people say, Where's this going? Are you making money off it? 
if it's not doing anything for you, what's the point in doing it? <clears throat> My mum even said at one point, she was like, I just don't understand it. Like, why are you so passionate about it? And it was only several months later that a good friend of hers actually took a life. And my mum phoned me and said, I understand now. So until people go through experiences, like some people don't understand it. <clears throat> but the more transparent you can be, the whole way through my journey, if anyone looks on Instagram handle or anywhere, I used to think, oh, maybe it's to my detriment that I am so transparent, that I talk about the struggles and the sacrifices that I've had to do throughout this whole process. I've been manipulated. I've been ghastly. I've been used. I've been looked over, looked through, looked around. You can imagine publicity, celebrities, people see it as an attraction, companies, <clears throat> Glenn, this is amazing, try and look over me, through me, around me, just to get to people, and I've had to learn a lot, and it's almost been mentally draining for me throughout, but I've had a great support network, but I've continued being transparent, because it does reach those people that need to see the truth behind things, because again, I was like, if I'm doing this, I'm going to live this, it has to be removing a mask and building something like this, it ain't bloody easy. <laughs> no, I, Anything. I, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I want to touch on something you said. I mean, why you do this, and I'm sure you can relate, is there's healing and sharing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's more cathartic for me to, to, to talk about my struggles and things I've overcome. I'm sure it is for you as well. And, and all the stuff that we go through, the adversity, I think that's God building our character and testing us to see it's a test, you know, it's like, how bad do you, how much do you want to do this? And are you willing to sacrifice, you know? And um, I think you're, you, you made the sacrifice and um, you said something else as well. I want to touch on, um, I got something here about network. Um, when did you realize that there were some people that you were hanging around that weren't really good for your, um, for your project for these maybe in close friends? Like, did you eliminate, uh, being around these people in your life to kind of make sure you were always kind of um, around people who were going to support you, lift you up, kind of hold you accountable. Yes. It's um, oh, I love this conversation because it's one of the biggest things I always say when it comes to business, business is hard, but you can put one foot in front of the other and learn it. The hardest thing is people. They always say new levels, new devils and it's true. <laughs> and you, you don't want to become cynical. You really don't. But the amount of times that I've been walked over, and like I always say, it's my favorite saying, I've been looked over, looked through, looked around. <clears throat> and I believe, like you said there, when, when faith found me, and that's the only way I can describe it, because I wasn't brought up around anything to do with spirituality and everything that came upon me, um, I started seeing things as lessons and my eyes started opening. And it was almost like I was living imperfectly perfect. Everyone's experiences, I was like, oh, my God. So I've been to the depth of despair through my own things. So I've seen it from the public's view. And then some of the biggest names, wherever they are in the world, they're coming on. And then I'm just seeing people that are wanting to use Glenn for what he can do for them or connect them to. Nobody wants to know Glenn. And then one of my friends of faith turned around and said, can you see what's happening, Glenn? You're actually now being able to understand what it's like for the people that you're also sharing the stories of. And I was like, oh, my God, this is bloody hard. Like trying to get your mind around everything at the same time. And thankfully, I had some people brought to me and they often say, 
never look at a title or a profession. I never have done. I've worked in fitness for my whole life and I used to teach classes. There's a commonality. You're going for community. You don't look at what people's profession is or anything. I've always taken that outside with me. And I think what I started to notice was when people were coming to me and what their ask was and the timing. And then I started gaining the discernment to start listening to people. And I think the best piece of advice I got was when people are listening, there's three types. There's those that don't listen. There's those that try to, but too much in their head and they're trying to just jump in. And then there's those who listen intently. So a conversation flows and you know that you're being heard and that person's being heard. There's a mutual respect there. So I started noticing these things. And again, when it comes to faith, people were like, your eyes are opening, your ears are opening. God's doing some work with you because you're gaining the discernment to know who's right, who's wrong. And now the person that I was, I had to work through being pure empath, being pure compassionate, to now separate my philanthropic humanitarian efforts to help people and then the business side of me because people were trying to combine the two and go, Glenn, can you help us do this? Can you help us do that for their business or what it was that they was doing? So that had to build a lot of resilience and backbone and finally turn around and say, well, what's in it for me? Because I can't help the people that I'm trying to help if I'm out pouring to you to build your business and what? You expect not to pay me because I'm trying to help all these people. <clears throat> so there's been a lot along the way. And I won't say to anybody, if you have something that's been placed on your heart, whatever it may be to help people, a movement, a campaign, whatever work it is, if you're an empath or you're compassionate, learn those lessons and learn them bloody fast because they'll keep repeating until <laughs> you do something. So, and then you'll get a test just after to see if you've learned the bloody lesson. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I have a big heart, Glenn, and I'm, I'm sure you do as well. And I think people, when they when they see that, because we're just so, we want to help. We want to do the right thing. We want to say yes. We want to like make sure that they are just like they see that we are walking walking the walk. But when they see yeah. that, some people, you're right, they take advantage of that. So I think the your BS detector, I guess, needs to be pretty well equipped, and I'm sure yours is as like mine, but. But, but yeah, I think the adversity that you experience, uh, it, it gives you like the timing of people looking for stuff. It gives you when you're alert. I think when you're in your faith and God is working, I think that we can be alert because our eyes are open. I'm looking for opportunities every day to to bless somebody, to talk to someone, to encourage them, to inspire them. And uh, you're doing the same. And I think it's fantastic, man. I think it's very, very fantastic. Thank you. So validation, um, I want to talk about that for a second, because, you know, going back to the social media stuff, why do we often want to be validated? Do you think it's because we don't know who we are and we're looking for outside approval for the world because we don't know internally who we are as a person and we kind of step away from who we are? I do. I actually did a, um, an article on that today, and it was about it wasn't so much about validation, but it was in why are people always pertaining this success. We see everyone beating their chest saying they're successful and this highlight reel. And again, because they are seeking outside validation. I mean, I'm not here to preach. I've been in that state before. I think we all have at some extent where we see what other people are doing, thinking it's working. And we see these highlights of this is what it is to be successful. This is what it is to do this and be happy and all this. And I think 
we've got it so backwards in that what we are perceived or what we're seeing to be successful is so far from the actual truth of becoming successful because that has been confirmed to me numerous times with everything that I've been doing, the more and more I've shared vulnerability and shared stories and been transparent, the more blessings and opportunities that have been presented to me and the more successful, whatever that looks like to other people. But to me, it's I'm managing to look after my family. We've got a nice house. We live in a beautiful area. I get to help all these people and all the rest of it. But on the side, I've spoken to, obviously, a lot of corporate leaders who have attained a lot. I've spoken to these. And when they drop the bravado, when they're so comfortable with their self and their imperfections, they realize that God didn't make mistakes when he made what we see as imperfections. But those imperfections are actually perfect and why we connect with our people. People are so consumed in trying to get around people with titles and professions, thinking it's going to elevate them. But I always say, when you hear this generic, you know, you know coaches, and they all talk about you need to get around these five people and you need to be successful and money and this and that. And I'm like, I've been around a lot of those people. If they haven't got integrity, if they haven't got morals, and now if they haven't got a faith of something, I'll not judge, but if you've not got confidence, conviction in helping other people or being of service and it's just a one way a selfish thing then i wish you well but that's not the energy that i want to be around but that's what everyone's seen on social media that's why this entrepreneurial world everyone's sprouting off the same things and it's like now everyone's a coach who teaches a coach to coach coach and then a coach and then another bloody coach <laughs> who's teaching the people that need the help like, do you know what I'm saying, though? Who, yeah. Who's teaching the people that need the help these days? It's because it's very hard. Everyone's on a singular journey. I do help people with branding and all the rest of it because I know that that's what I'm good at. At the end of the day, I still say to people, how does that feel for you? Because I can tell you one way that it works, but if that does not resonate with you and it doesn't sit well in your gut, it's not going to work because that energy of that alignment is not going to be there for you. So the passion is not going to be behind it. You're not really going to be interested in doing it. You're going to put a wall of resistance up. It's not going to work. And that's when people don't get results. So it has to be to and fro. But again, it comes down to social media. I've done it and highlights and what everyone is seeing that they need to be validated. And I'm just like, calm down. Like, just bring it back to basics. Like, calm down. Like, I love it. You said something I want to touch on real quick. You said title. It's funny you say that word because um, my mentor talks about this a lot. It's like a title is just, it's not who we are. No. You know? Like we say we have a name. Our name isn't who we are. Um, a title isn't who we are. It's something that was given to us. Our name is something that was given to us. So when you, I think when you strip that back a little bit, like, and I ask, I ask people all the time, who are you? Why are you here? Like, do you really think about that? And I think most people don't, they don't think about that. They just, they, they seek that title. We've been, we've been kind of tricked into like, go to school, get a good job, retire at 65 or live your life, you know, climb the ladder. Like, I don't think that's the world we're living in anymore, yep. you know? And I think we get, a lot of people get tricked into that uh, mentality and philosophy. But I think we, when you talk about passion for me, I'm a passionate guy. I love what I do. I'm all or nothing. 
But I think if you're passionate about the work you're doing, you're not going to feel like it's work. You can work 70, 80, 90 hours a week because you love doing it. It's just something that you that's in you, like you're in a, you're in a flow state. But if you don't like doing what you're doing, you're going to be stressed out to the max all the time. And that's that's Thank most you. of America. That's probably like that where you are as well. 80% of the people don't like what they're doing just in order to survive. Yeah. And it's amazing, though, what you were talking about, the network thing. If you get to know people behind a professional title, when I started on LinkedIn, and I always joke and say, LinkedIn's like Instagram on steroids. Everyone says it's a professional platform. There's more people talking about how many connections they've got there than anywhere else. <clears throat> and I went to all these networking groups when I started out. Say there were 50 people in. And it was like, right, you've got three minutes to pitch yourself. By the time it got to the fourth person, I couldn't remember what the first person said. By the time it got to 10th, I couldn't remember that. So I was like, <laughs> I, I'm not on Shark Tank. I'm not trying to pitch my business. So I'm going to start my own. And I started building it. And I actually said, and people were kind of confused when they walked in. I was like, right, do not tell us what you do as a profession or a title. Let us know you, because I'm about building relationships of integrity and trust. And then it built up to like 50, 60 people. And then, then I'd know Sean, who helps people. I'd know you've got a son or a daughter. And I know that So it goes in your memory and you build it and then you find commonalities. And then you actually talk about your profession afterwards. And that's the icing on the cake. And from that, I have built relationships that have lasted over five years from LinkedIn and projects together with their business, with my business and what else. And people need to look past titles or professions because at the end of the day, it doesn't, like say, it doesn't matter. You could be walking on someone's part of their journey. Like people look through me on LinkedIn when I used to post pictures on my, my hard hat on construction. <clears throat> Little to say, I was building my organization. And now what they see, they see the latter end of it. They want to know me, but those doors are closed now. I wish them well, but... That just shows me that you're looking at a title or profession before someone's heart or what they're doing. Yeah, you probably didn't want them in your life anyway, Glenn. So you're you're going to be okay. Exactly. <laughs> Glenn, I really appreciate you taking time today. And I just want to ask you, what does success look like for Glenn Marsden? Success to me is just maintaining bliss, as in making sure that my wife and my kids are happy, making sure that I'm living life to the fullest, that I'm not too much in my head in my work, that everything that I've done is going to create a legacy and a ripple effect. And because now faith has obviously found me, I know that to be true. So, yeah, success. I don't look at success no more. <clears throat> I think once you get out of the matrix, as people say, and you look at people for who they are and their heart and you look at experiences and you become more grateful for stuff. And I don't want to sound cliche towards let's get gratitude and affirmations and things like they do work, but enjoy making memories and just being around the people. Cause at the end of the day, we can't take materialistic rubbish with us, but we can take memories. I love it. I love it. I believe all that. I, I receive all that. I feel the same way, man. Memories is what it's all about because at the end of the day, I've never seen a U-Haul following a hearse, brother. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Glenn, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to reach out? Yeah, sure. They can either go to the official website, imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org, or you can find us all over social media, Imperfectly Perfect Campaign or Glenn Mars. Glenn Mars, and thank you so much for your time. A legend in the making, guys.
Thanks for taking time for the space between. I really appreciate talking to you, brother. Be well. And just like that, another void has been filled in the space between. Hey, listen, you're obviously a podcast listener. You're listening to this podcast, which I appreciate you. Have you ever thought about launching your own? Are you somebody who feels like I've got a message, but I'm not quite clear what it is or who would ever want to hear it? Let's do this. Let's have a conversation. I'll kind of take you behind the scenes of the Space Between podcast, show you how I do it, and worst case scenario, you'll have three really simple steps that you can use right now to understand what your message is and how to get it out there. Go to linkwithshawn.com, S-E-A-N, linkwithshawn.com, book a call, pick a time that works for you, and let's have a conversation about you and your message, all right? We'll see you on the call.